Hello, good morning, family. Once again, it is our privilege to come before you and uh, just to come and share a few thoughts with you. Trusting that uh, that which we share with you is going to build into, into your spirit, man. I have no time to organize well-rehearsed sermons. But I am trusting God that that which we share with you will become your own building block. How to create an environment in which the word of God begins to take a residence inside of your spirit man. Because it is imperative that we carry the word of God wherever we go. Because as we read last week, the word says, you are the salt of the earth. And as I infer to that as that which influences without showing itself to be of any importance at all. But salt knows that if it had an understanding that it is critical for how the meal is received. And so our prayer this morning is that you would receive uh, this word in a manner in which we want to deliver it to you, that it is tasteful, that it is worth considering, it's worth uh, taking into deep consideration, and of course, in reference uh, to the word of God. Because we can say a whole lot of things, but if they do not correspond with the word of God, it remains our thought, and God has got no obligation to add value to it. But if we bring the word of God, then uh, it is God who waters the word. It is God who gives value to that word. It is by his spirit that uh, he will take you to the next level. Of course, all these things here do not happen in a vacuum. They do not happen in a, in a forceful way. I know the word of God says uh, since uh, the days of uh, Moses and John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has suffered violence, and it is the violence, uh, violent that will take it by storm. Taking by storm simply means that we got to become adamant to what the Word of God has inspired inside of us. You can't be inspired and become adamant on the position and posture that you would take if it is a word that your pastor spoke. But if your pastor spoke a word to you, or you heard it somewhere that resonated with your spirit man, then you become resolute in that understanding. And uh, mark my words, it, uh, it becomes a chief cornerstone in your life to be able to withstand certain challenges that will come against you. But uh, the word of God marches on. God marches on and not in changing his word, by changing our understanding to that word, and that word needs to be amplified through our lives 
because when we have imbibed that word, when we speak to others, that is when our saltiness is tasted by those that would hear what we are saying. And so one of the things that I don't know if I said it last week, but I want to reiterate it this morning, that uh, for our faith to become authentic, our faith must have a corresponding action to it. That was our title of last week. And I want to re-emphasize that today. For your faith to become authentic, there has to be a corresponding action attached to your faith. Otherwise, we would find ourselves saying, I have faith, I have faith, but if my faith has not worked for me, or that I can show you that this was done through faith, then uh, 1 Corinthians 13 then will become true, that uh, um, we are just empty vessels, that uh, empty vessels normally make the biggest noise. We can make a whole lot of shouting, but uh, if there's no corresponding action to our words, then... Uh, we will achieve nothing. We, the word says we are like clouds that uh, make promise, but if they don't deposit rain, then uh, those clouds were of no value. And I do understand that our minds are occupied by many, many things. There's a big challenge in the church of Jesus Christ. as a huge challenge. There are prophecies that we have heard that seemingly have not come to pass. But I was just uh, having a chat at home this morning that sometimes with, with our instant coffee mentality is that uh, we believe that those prophecies didn't come to pass. But I do believe that if it's not God's timing, God's plan, is never altered. If those prophecies were God prophecies, then they will come to pass. One way or another, I still believe in miracles. I still believe that there were some of those prophecies. I'm talking here about uh, the elections in the United States because they were given plenty of airtime. And uh, I would ask you, if you believed in any of those prophecies, if you heard, stay on course, hold on to your seats, believe that God is still in charge, is still in control. And uh, it will take little things like that, little things concerning your family and your surroundings and all things that, that happen around you. Things happen, child of God, that things happen around you. And I will encourage you not to, when uh, if uh, unforeseen circumstances happen around you, that you lose your faith in God, because things will happen. And it never means that God has lost control. God is still in charge. And it will be so until he calls it a day. And when he calls it a day, it doesn't mean that, oh, I give up. It just simply says, I work according to my time frame and my time clock. And so, perhaps you can do yourself a favor and just read Ezekiel 36, 37, and 38. You will find some amazing promises there. 
and the repercussions and the consequences of not hearing what God is saying. You hear prophecies where God says, this is what you need to do. And uh, the people that he spoke to, the word that was directed to, they also fell by the wayside and decided to do their own things. But according to God's promises, he said, I will bring you back. Even though he expelled them out of the promised land, that which they have been pushed around for many days and many times. But the final word is that God will bring them back. And in their coming back, they will consolidate their position. And I believe right now, Israel has consolidated itself in God's calendar. And I'm not sure, but I do understand that... Uh, there's a time, I think it is in uh, Zechariah, where they will begin to see their Messiah, when they will look at the wounds on his hands, and they will say to him, where did you get wounded? And he will say, it was in my friend's house. And so those prophecies, I believe they are still yet to come. And uh, I know there are some prophecies that have been uh, misplaced, Prophecies like uh, the desecration of the temple. Some people still believe that that is still yet to come. But unfortunately, that has already occurred in AD 70. We know that. Those that would want to read history, it is there. It has happened. But uh, the theorists, of course, who are touting the rapture and then the man of sin that will come and do the desecration of the temple will then come, oh, please, give me a break, read the scriptures. That has already happened. The desecration of the temple has happened. There is no temple right now. There is no worship in, uh, by the Jews. They, they don't do any sacrifices because they can only do it in the temple. And uh, those Christians that are baying for the return of the rebuilding of the temple, and uh, when you ask, and then what? What has that got to do with a believer in Jesus Christ? They can't tell you. It's got nothing to do with a, with a Christian. Because uh, animal sacrifice has already run its course. Now Christ became the perfect sacrifice. So why should we look forward to another temple uh, sacrifice again? Got no idea where Christians get their uh, understanding from. They read uh, books like uh, Left Behind. They left... Uh, uh, read books by, uh, but all those books about the rapture, and they got so taken up by that that they have forgotten to read the scriptures. They read books and not scripture. You've got to read scripture. Books, maybe it when you're pursuing a certain subject, but if it's not based on the word of God, it's based on the theory and some thin-veiled understanding, please be careful. Read the scripture, read in totality. If you want to uh, research a subject, do it. Go through all the scriptures that refer to the same subject and see where it leads you. And it's not going to lead you to another uh, rebuilding of the temple and then the church now must go and uh, do animal sacrifice. Come on, think about it. 
think about it. Don't be fooled by these fancy things. I mean, we came from this. We came from that. We really believed that there was a, going to be a temple that will be rebuilt, and, uh, and uh, you know, it was made to sound so fancy. But nobody asked us that time, what then for the church? What happens then to the church if we go back again to temple worship, uh, animal sacrifice? What happens then to the blood of Jesus? Nobody has asked, asked us that at that time. It was only, I think, in uh, right here uh, in 2003, 2004. Those questions are kept recurring when we used to have our schools with Pastor Tamunaidu. What then? I mean, it was many people that, uh, when I came in into uh, the apostolic, they would ask, okay, Indri, you believe in this year, but then what after the rebuilding of the temple, then the, the animal sacrifice resume? What happens to you as a believer? Because you can't say, well, I will partake in that, or I will not, but I still believe in the, the rebuilding of the temple. Oh, no got nothing to do with us. But yes, we know that the Jews are pushing for the rebuilding of the temple because uh, they want to resume their animal sacrifice. But then we know that that is when the armies of Gog will come. Gog, of course, it is Russia. And then we know that China will come in. We know that uh, Iran will come in. We know that uh, uh, Ethiopia to a slight uh, extent, but Libya. And that was part of that conspiracy, not conspiracy, is part of that prophecy that they will come in and fight with Israel. And we know then that is the only time that uh, Armageddon will be unleashed, where God himself will come and fight for his people. It is a time then that is when the Jews will recognize that they are Messiah, Right now, their eyes are blinded to that reality. So don't be fooled, child of God, by um, those that are, are fearful even of the pandemic that we are going through right now, ready to duck out and uh, pray for a uh, rapture. Well, you should be raptured in Christ, not to run to heaven because Jesus is coming to be the light of the world. He's coming to dwell among us. So I don't know where you're running to or you hope to be running to. So I, I, would, uh, I just simply want to ca caution you. Be realistic when you read scripture. Don't read into somebody trying to sell books of a quick fix or a getaway card. Can't get away from God's glare. He invested himself in you. How dare you want to run away without finishing the work that he has laid at your disposal? How dare you? How dare you? But I was uh, awakened on Tuesday morning with, uh, with a picture. I had uh, this uh, picture of, I was reading a, a book, but on this book there were words that... Uh, were not visible to me, nor did I see the words above that, but I saw this line. And uh, there was one word that was standing, outstanding, that was higher than the, all the other words. 
And uh, I knew as I looked at them that uh, the word was Father. I could only see halfway of it, but I knew the word was Father. And, uh, and I pondered on that because I couldn't see the, what, the words that began and the words that, uh, beyond uh, the word Father. But I clearly saw the word Father. And uh, as I uh, came around, I began to just say, Lord, what is the meaning of this? And uh, this is what I felt I needed to write. It was the love of the, the love of the Father is always available. And what, what was next really shocked me. It says, and he goes ahead and leaves an inheritance. The Father goes ahead and he leaves an inheritance. In other words, he prepares where we should walk. And if we are awake, we will then see our inheritance in our pathway. That, of course, means that uh, we must walk in him. We must stay in spirit. We must stay connected. Because uh, if we do not do that, we will miss our moments. We will miss uh, the spots where our inheritance is left. It's, uh, I just felt really that uh, if we stay attuned to the word of God, even in this time of deep trials, deep trial, I'm telling you, uh, families are being decimated, children are being left uh, orphaned. You know, I, I read of one in uh, Peter Marisburg where a pastor and his wife, they were having a funeral for both of them. So there is some uh, seriousness out there. Don't play around and uh, think this uh, COVID-19 is uh, some theory that is uh, um, being spoken about to control the masses. Yes, in its, uh, in its uh, origin, there is some uh, uh, ungodly uh, realities that uh, came out of this. Because uh, there's a, a professor or a doctor in China who said that this is not a natural virus. It is a mechanical virus that is uh, manufactured. And you can see it. it, it uh, it's mutating. Before the vaccine is made uh, available, it's already mutated to something very different. And uh, so just like the AIDS pandemic, I think we just might have to live a little while longer with this. So it's going to be wise for you to take some responsibility with your own life. And I'm not talking about living in fear. I'm talking about uh, uh, storing up faith inside of you, allowing the word to season you, that you be salty. In your saltiness, it is only then you will become the light that is set on the hill. And I'm telling you, you cannot boast about this, that you are immune to this attack. And so I just simply encourage everyone that I come across, 
I encourage myself that if I live, I live unto the Lord. If I die, I will die unto the Lord. But I have to also take it a step further and say, in my dying, it is not because of the virus. It will be because I had reached the end of my assignment. And I pray to God that my assignment would be made complete. So I would say, do not fold up your tables, do not fold up your arms, and sit back and say, woe is me, there's no point in pursuing anything. If you are still young, pursue your career. Pursue that which is going to be helpful to people around you. It's going to be needed. Those that have a, um, an opportunity to study, to become doctors, to become lawyers, you're going to be needed. So pursue that with all that you have. Educate yourself. Do not uh, bury yourself in the house and uh, believe that uh, nothing is going to change, that the world is coming to an end. It is not coming to an end. Prepare yourself. Make yourself ready for whatever God will command you to do and learn to say, yes, sir. And God is able to use you tremendously. And so having looked at that, I, uh, <clears throat> I looked at Luke 24. I look at, uh, you know, I, I had to ask myself, you know, what is the current conversation since the pandemic broke out in the world? <laughs> Isn't it amazing? It is not only one country that is battling with this. It is all over the world. I don't know when God will call it off. Somebody said, yeah, everybody's calling God, please uh, put an end to this. But, uh, and they said, uh, but nobody has said, Lord, we repent for having rejected you. We repent for having not believed that you are able to, to keep us safe, even in this time. We have forgotten the word that says, even if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, no evil will come near me. We have forgotten that. But uh, yes, I know there are some that do not believe in God. Lovely people they might be. They don't still believe that God is able because we haven't been able to exercise our faith that uh, the church remains in force and effective. Even during lockdown, I'm telling you, I miss being with you. I really, really miss being with you. Coming here Saturday by Saturday, coming to do the recording, and just the two of us in this place, it's, uh, it's not a happy moment, but we understand that the word is necessary, that we need to send it out. Send it out. And so be careful that in your conversation, around this pandemic, it doesn't become your ultimate conversation. And so in Luke 24, Jesus comes across two men that are walking. They're going towards Emmaus. Emmaus means warm baths, a place where they needed to get away from Jerusalem because Jerusalem had simply turned against him, they assumed at that time that that which they held dear in their hearts, according to their explanation later, that uh, they had hoped that uh, this Jesus 
would be their Messiah that will take them out of the, the oppression of the Romans. And, uh, and Jesus will feign ignorance in this conversation. And he would say to them, hey, what are you guys talking about? And, you know, when, when I looked at that, and, uh, you know, when they said, hey, where do you come from? Where do you live? Like, uh, oh, you suddenly dropped out of some planet somewhere. Don't you know the things that, that has happened in Jerusalem? How they, uh, they uh, crucified Jesus, whom we thought was the one? Hey, come on, guy, where do you come from? And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, I just began to realize that this is the, uh, the conversation that they were having. It was about Jesus. Things, big things had happened in their town. And uh, big things are happening in our areas, in our town, in our country, all over the world. And I have to, I have to ask myself, what is a conversation around the world at this time? Is it about the things of God? Or is it about the fear of this coronavirus? Are we saying in the midst of the coronavirus, my God is still able to keep me safe? I mean, he's kept some of us. It's nearly a year now since we heard of this uh, breakout of this. At that time, we really thought it is so far away from us. We are unaffected. But how wrong we were. I mean, it just... It's drawn so close. It's drawn so close to us. And so fear is right at the doorsteps. This is a time that you do not allow fear to paralyze you. You still have to learn to live because you will hibernate today and uh, you still, sooner or later, you're going to have to come out. So you just have to develop habits and behavior patterns that is going to keep you safe. You have to learn to do that. We have to. We cannot hide. We cannot hide. We have to believe. We have to have faith that God is able to protect us. I do believe that we have to be conscious of this reality, that we are fighting an enemy that we cannot see. I think sometimes it is easier to um, be at the devil. You could bind him. You could do whatever you know Christians uh, do. But... Uh, Right now, it doesn't seem like uh, the virus is bothered to listen to any of that because in the church, lots of people have lost their lives. And so I believe that God is building an individual at this time because uh, it's going to be you and I that are able to stand in faith. James has said we need to sharpen our faith because uh, faith has got many phases to it. One of them, it is that it builds patience. And in patience, we have hope. And we must never lose hope. We must never lose hope. We must always believe that God, he is able to look after us at this time. That's just some things that I want to draw from uh, um, Luke 24. And uh, I, I looked at uh, verse 29, Luke 24, verse 29. And it reads thus. Uh, 
Okay, maybe let's start at 27. It says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew near to the village where they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. Verse 29. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards the evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And the question I had to ask, do we have the capacity in our time of prayer to constrain Jesus to remain with us, to come and abide in our home, to come and, have, uh, and sup with us? Sup with us meaning to come and have fellowship with us, to come and stay in. Do we have that prevailing prayer time of engaging with God, like uh, Jacob, who would uh, be so sick and tired of his lifestyle that he knew was not in keeping with his destiny? He knew that uh, he was prone to uh, doing wrong things. I mean, uh, the, the man, whatever he touched, there had to have been some illegal means of gaining more than was allocated to him. If one can say he was hungry for success, but being hungry for success does not mean you have to trample on others, you have to steal from others. It just simply means you apply yourself, and God then honors that which you apply if you are do it illegally. Legally means also when you begin to gain, you know how to allocate to God what is God and allocate to what is a Caesar to Caesar. It goes, it's a two-way street. You can't just take everything and then uh, begin to store up because the word is also clear that when you store up your wealth, the moths will come and eat it. And so it becomes of no value to anybody. But when you learn how to share, God promises that I will take care of it. If you know how to honor God, he says, I will honor your household. I will honor the things that you have entrusted to me. Scripture says that which we have placed in God's hand is able to keep it safe. And so these are the, uh, the times that uh, self-examination is going to need to take place. You know, some people say, yeah, I'm going to begin to tithe and tithe faithfully. They do it once and they disappear. And you think, but you're still learning. How is it possible that you're not tithing? And when you ask them, oh, yes, I am. But when you look, there is no record of their tithing. And I think, you know, they have no fear. They have no fear. Think, oh, God, Lord, don't let uh, Ananias and... Uh, and Sapphira's uh, experience happened to our people because some still think they, we are dope. You know, they can still get away with things like that. So please be careful. Please be careful. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Don't lie to the Holy Spirit. Be very careful. And now if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. Or you're just not inclined to do things like that. Just don't, but don't make promises that you can't keep. And... Uh, we have a person that made a promise to me when they left the church. They said, we will tithe to this church. And I'm telling you, there was a time when the man wasn't working. 
but he had external support from his family. And out of that, he would tithe faithfully. And since that time, he has gotten a job. And I'm telling you, sometimes twice in a week he tithes. I don't know how he does it, but he has been faithful. I'm not interested in the amounts. I'm interested in the man's um, um, uh, what's the right word? I'm interested in living up to the word that he promised. He said, I will tithe it to this church. And so we see his tithes coming in week after week. As I say, sometimes twice in a week, you see money is coming in into the church. I mean, he's far from us, but he's faithful. We've got two people that are no longer in the church, but they are faithful in their tithing to this church. And we have people right here with us who simply have forgotten to do that. And so I'm not saying you, now you need to do it. If you feel you don't want to do it, you know, it's also fine. The church will still continue. The church, it's not built on a man. It's built on what God uh, advised for us to do. Against all odds, we came into this position. Against our own wishes to occupy this position, God's divine order was made clear. Even though we tried to duck and dive out of it, God remained faithful to his core. And so today, I have no qualms about the position that I occupy. I find lots of reasons why I shouldn't be here and uh, lots of things that, that have the challenges that we face. And you think, is it worth it? At the end of the day, I believe, Lord, even in this message today, if there be one person, one person, you know, I was thinking as I was coming here this morning, I just had an eye operation. I could have laid and be tired from all the things that happen. But the reality is I'm not because uh, I think the operation was successful. I can see with this eye here, so looking good. And so, but I mean, any excuse would have done. But I felt if I don't do this recording, just that one person might miss out an opportunity to praise God. And so, um, do we have the capacity to invite God into our homes, into our own lives. Sometimes even your home can be topsy-turvy. Things are not going well. But can you personally say, Lord, come into my heart? I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about God being resident in your heart continuously. And so that was verse 29. And verse 30, and it says, And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and gave it to them. And with that action, with that corresponding action, you see, the corresponding action, Jesus was reacting to their invitation, because at this point, they were just talking to an ordinary man whom they had to educate of the happenings that, that had just taken place, whom they felt so sorry or felt maybe hey, at least he was spared of all the things, disappointing things that, that happened in Jerusalem. I mean, uh, they, they had to emphasize that uh, 
in fact, the saddest part is that it's already been three days since these things happened. And they were so appalled at this poor man who did not know such huge happenings had taken place in their town. And so they had to educate him what it was all about. But they had the compassion for this man. They realized that the day was late. And I wonder when it speaks about the day being late, the day is already spent. And I have to say, is our day spent of uh, trying to remain blasé of the, the works of the enemy around us, even through this virus? What are his ultimate plans? And what is our reaction? What is our corresponding action to the challenge that we are facing? And so Jesus, uh, his corresponding uh, action or reaction to their invitation, he then uh, uh, takes bread and he blesses it and he breaks it and then he gives it to them. Verse 31, it says, And then their eyes were opened. <laughs> Our eyes will be open when we stay in conversation with the Holy Spirit, who informs us even how to pray, to listen to his prompting. When we stay in conversation with the Holy Spirit, our eyes will be open. The things that we have been blinded to, maybe fear has blinded us from the, what way the enemy is leading the church of Jesus Christ right now. Some of them have been incarcerated in fear for many days. Some of them, uh, suppose that they are, you know, those that, that uh, love their preaching. They want the churches to be open right now. But uh, we have taken a stand. As long as it is unsafe to come together, I know I've decried the, the, that, you know, the churches are asked to close and nobody else is asked to close. But I do understand that uh, I will not stand in front of a bus and say, well, I trust God that I will be alive after the bus uh, drives over me. I'm, I'm not going to be foolish. And so I'm not going to endanger anybody's life, even though I think we do need to come together to simply pray and ask God to forgive us and uh, give us a, a strategy how to overcome this. Because I think most of us have cried for the vaccine to come, but we haven't said, Lord, heal us so that uh, we can have healing in our hands and begin to release uh, people from the bondages of the enemy and uh, become a pivotal a role player in the kingdom of God instead of pandering to all the media that is hyping and blaming uh, this one or that one. I mean, you have to admire Mohueng uh, Mohueng, our Chief Justice. He's been so very outspoken and uh, taken a stance that uh, he will not be silenced on what he believes to be of God. I know the forces are against him, there's a whole lot of things that are pending. He's had to answer many questions. But the reality is he's standing on God's word. And it is people like that that we need to learn from. And uh, trust God that, uh, and pray for them. Pray for them. 
We pray for a whole lot of things, but there's some things that uh, when people take a prominent position in Christ, we are ready to nitpick every word that they speak and not engage in the spirit in which they are doing. Because uh, the forces out there are there to silence the church. Because anything you can pray, any prayer, kiss the ground in the name of some other God, it's allowed. But don't you dare mention the name of Jesus when you kiss that ground. Because then you have been taken to task for that because you are discriminating against other religions. But they can do it. It's normal for them to do it. But it's abnormal for the Church of Jesus Christ to do certain things. And so when our Chief Justice, he takes a position, why can't we pray for him? He said, God, keep him safe. Keep the, 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 the lion's mouth closed, even if they might growl and make all the noises because then they only expose themselves that they are actually toothless against the word of God. So it is the word of God that, that will arrest all things. And you and I need to learn from that, need to take our cue from those that are speaking and speaking out of the word of God, not simply just mouthing words and trying and hoping to influence uh, circumstances around us. And... Uh, <clears throat> We need to stay in the conversation with the Holy Spirit. We need to learn how to stay in that. We need to learn how to be able to say, uh, he is able to keep us safe at this time. Very dangerous times, I might add again, where we are fighting that enemy that we can't see. But we know that he is out there. Even the devil himself, we have never seen him. But we know that he is out there, ready to deceive, ready to cause the church to cower into a corner and give up the fight before they can even engage him at the gates. Lots of uh, people, um, as I said in the beginning of the prophecies that uh, we heard, and uh, then when uh, uh, Donald Trump wasn't uh, re-elected, lots of people have said it was a false prophecy. Well, I don't know. I simply believe that it takes time for prophecy to be called redundant. And I don't think the time is yet for full. I am simply waiting to see, because there are some that are authentic prophets. Authentic. Some of them, like Kim Clements, have been in his presence. And I know plenty of things that he prophesied when we were at some of his services, and we saw those things come to pass. And so I would just say, be careful what you rush to condemn because it's been uttered in the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy is important. It is important. Read Luke 24 in its totality. Jesus said, what I am telling you about is what Moses spoke about. It's what the prophets spoke about. It's what the psalmist spoke about. I am that which was spoken about. Genesis, I think, chapter 3, verse 15, speaking about uh, um, the one that will come and uh, bruise uh, the, your heels, and but one that will bruise the enemy's head. 
and then uh, there's, uh, there's more of them, more of the prophecies. Um, uh, this is just a, a way too much to talk about on, on that score. But uh, you can pick it, pick it up uh, in your reference uh, Bibles uh, from Luke 24. And uh, you uh, need to learn how to remain focused on the Word of God. We all have to. We all have to. I mean, there's many challenges that we will face. But one, of the, one thing that should not disturb your position in Christ Jesus, whatever challenges you might face, do not be disturbed or moved from the rock on which you stand. It must be a place of security. You have to make sure it's a place of security. It's a place that... Uh, uh, you, you know, when I am in this position, I am practically invincible because Jesus said, I have overcome the world. So if we can keep Babylon from uh, contaminating our thinking and uh, learn how to be in conversation, not about the problems that we are having, but uh, be like those that uh, Micah speaks about, that uh, the Lord heard those that came together and began to speak about the things of God. Those, when he began to make the crowns, they became the jewels because they stayed focused on God. They learned to come together and encourage one another. I know that we are scattered uh, at this time, in uh, this time of lockdown, but uh, this message is coming to you. And if you can, you can invite somebody else to come and listen with you, or you can send it to somebody else that you, if it benefits you, then by all means, you need to learn how to share. And uh, if, of course, if you haven't derived anything out of it, you're also quite welcome to just delete it. And, uh, and then also that I believe that you need to pay attention to is... Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. For in Ephesians chapter 1, we are simply told that uh, there are things that God has predestinated, the things that he has put in place. Um, verse 4, it says, According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of, of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. It is his good pleasure to bring you in and bring you closer, not just uh, to, uh, so that you can uh, be baptized in the church. No, God wants more than that. He wants an intimacy with you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to have to be able to trust you. When you learn to trust him, he is able to trust you because then he can give you instructions on what you need to do. Many people say, uh, look to the pastor to give them responsibility in the church. As if the pastor knows they are tomorrow, he knows they are calling. Yeah, I, sadly, I haven't been given that gift yet. And so the choices that I have been asked to make, I have do believe some of them have been wrong. I've placed people in positions that, that they have no faith for. And so, 
I've taken a responsibility. I'll not place any person in a position that they are not ready for. They must demonstrate it first. It is like a tithing. If you don't believe in tithing, I can't make you responsible for finances. I can't do that. Because then uh, you touching the things of God with unclean hands. And so it's things that I have to be careful. I can't make you a doorkeeper in the church if you don't love people. Can't do that. Because then you'll chase everybody away. If you don't have hospitality, you can't invite people for tea. You know, you're too mean or just too lazy to make tea. I can't make you in charge of hospitality. And so those are just some little things that we need to learn to allow our gifting to create a room for us. Now we want a pastor to create room for us. Oh, I'm the biggest tither in the church, therefore I must be given a position. Let your gifting create room for you. So exercise your gifting. Don't wait for the pastor to have to call you into that position. Make yourself available. Wait on him. I will see the gift in you, and I will appoint you, or I will ask you to come and participate in the church workings. I wish sometimes that I had somebody to come and take my place here and bring the word of God. Why? Because I trust you that you're going to carry the mantle. You're going to carry the grace of God. You are going to not impress with your speech, but you are going to release the word of God because that's the instruction you received. And unfortunately, nobody yet has said, God has deposited a word in my spirit and I'd love to come and share it. Hmm. But of course, I have to hear it first. wouldn't want you to come and uh, miss what we have built. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he had purposed in himself. I looked at uh, that, uh, what, what was that mystery? What was that mystery? The mystery Paul explains, it was uh, that now the Gentiles were now allowed to come in into the commonwealth of Israel. What was exclusive to the Jews, now God, because of their unbelief. You know, uh, I, I, I am still so fancy-filled by um, so much that uh, just keeps pouring out of uh, Luke chapter 1. You know, about uh, um, John Zacharias. He did not believe. Zacharias, when the angel said, your, your Elizabeth is going to be with child, he did not believe. He, hey, Lord, how is... You know, it was a spirit of unbelief. And therefore, they had to shut his mouth. The angel had to shut his mouth. Because uh, uh, Zacharias would have gone home and say, Elizabeth, 
You know what the angel came to tell me. I can't believe what he said. He said, you of all people at this age, you're going to be with child. I can't believe it. Do you think that prophecy would have come to pass? The angel had to shut his mouth. And so we have to come to that place, to that position of understanding that when the word of God has been spoken to us, don't say, I don't believe that, because you're not going to exercise that, uh, 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 you're not going to receive from, uh, from God that which you are denying. You need to watch what you say, because your words give life to the situation. If Zacharias went and he poured out his unbelief, oh my goodness. But they had to shut his mouth. Only at the appropriate time, his tongue was loosed. At a time when he needed to name the substance, he needed to name the child. You are of salvation. You will speak salvation. Your, your calling is to speak about God's salvation, preparing the way. You're not the main money, but you are there to do a great work. How many of us have uh, aborted our calling because we have allowed our unbelief to run rampant in our lives? Our, uh, our corresponding action has been to the negative. We have not learned to correspond in faith. And like Mary is saying, Whatever you have spoken, Lord, let it be done unto me, even if I don't understand how this is going to happen. But let it be done unto me. Let it be done unto me. I mean, she explained how, to, how is this going to happen since I don't know a man. She didn't say, no, it can't be because I haven't, uh, um, I'm not uh, married yet, I'm only engaged to Joseph. Be careful. Or they were married but hadn't come together. She didn't argue. She said, well, if the Lord has spoken. She knew there was a visitation. Zacharias knew he had a visitation, but his response was to the negative. And Mary was, well, bring it on. I'm ready. I'm ready to do whatever you will have me to do. I am ready for it. The disciples walking with the stranger who was uneducated in the happenings of the town had no qualms in saying, listen, guy, things have been happening in the town. It's safer for you if you come and lodge with us. And Jesus then will unveil himself to them. And then the, the next time we see Jesus with the disciples is when he invites them for a fish bride. He now invites them. He waited first for them to invite him. And then he invites them to a fish bride. Let's have a meal together, guys. Because now my mission has been complete. Because you know how to take care of strangers. You don't keep things to yourself. So, and your faith are being exercised. Your faith 
uh, being shown forth that that which you believed in, even if it didn't look like it was working for them, at that time they felt it had become a lost cause. But they said, we had believed that he will be the one to save us from the oppression of the Romans. I don't know what your challenges are, child of God, today. But if your challenges, you believe that they can be solved outside of Christ, that might be short-lived. But if they are solved in Christ, there is an incremental growth into that which you will experience. Because God is on your side. He has not abdicated his position. He's still in charge. God is in control. And he loves you. If you didn't, if you don't believe that God loves you, then you also then have to throw one side that you are born again. But if you are born again, if you've ever had an experience of the renewal of your mind, where you heard the word of God and believed it, as a guy's going on the road to Emmaus, they were going somewhere to go and warm themselves. And Jesus found them on the way. They were on the way. And he arrested them with a gospel that spoke about the coming of the Messiah. He spoke about the promise that was to come, that which will crush the enemy's head. And when they learned how to invite a total stranger, Jesus then would invite them later on. And then he will tell him towards the end of uh, Luke 24. He would invite them. Let, let's just go back to Luke 24, then be closing. <clears throat> Luke 24. Verse 46. No, 40, uh, yeah, 46. And he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ. The word behooved means unavoidable necessity. And thus it behooved Christ to, to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that a repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses to these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But you need to go and wait in the city of Jerusalem. And you be um, endured with power from on high. We need to learn how to wait on the Holy Spirit. Let him dress us up. Then we can move forward. Do not allow circumstances to separate you from the love of God. Don't allow that. 
Stay in faith. Stay in faith. It is not over until Jesus Christ calls you to rest. Your race is never over. He will never place you on a shelf unless you want to. If you want to be sidelined, you will pursue your own things outside of Christ. You will go and want to hibernate and hide all that you have. And then you will lose your faith. And then you will become the biggest obstacle in the church of Jesus Christ. If you are faithless, you become a biggest obstacle in the church of Jesus Christ. Be careful. Do not allow yourself to be hijacked by what you read on Facebook, what you read on people's commentary, what you hear on television. I'm telling you, there is so much of lies on that television. There is so much of lies and controlled and measured truth and twisted uh, narrative. Be very careful. Watch out for yourself, Church of God. I urge you to watch out for your faith in Christ Jesus. The enemy is not playing games. He knows he's got the church cowering into a corner. And so we have become easy pickings where he brings all these lies against us and then gives us the reason why we should hide. So all I'm asking is that be faithful to God and he will remain faithful to you. All of us saying, but God is faithful when things are going well. What about God is faithful when things don't seem to be going your way, when just all hell seems to break against you? Can you stand even when you have to stand alone and say, God, I know you're on my side. I know that you are faithful. I know that you will see me through this. I trust that today is going to be that day where you're going to fasten yourself, fasten your seatbelt, and say, I will not be moved. I hear all the challenges around me, but God has taken me too far to turn back. God bless you and keep you safe, and keep your mind at rest. Because if your mind is not at rest, your spirit man has got no time, no time to push you in the direction of God. Even if you open your Bible, when your mind is not at rest, you will be reading the Bible, but your mind will be running elsewhere. So learn how to reign in your mind. And stay true to the word of God.